Well, good evening, everybody. Glad you're here. I realize you could be elsewhere. You could be anywhere from uh, the Starbucks down the street to the other class. And if in a few minutes I see you quietly slip out, I'll know you're thinking, <laughs> I'll go try another one, see if it's better than this one. Uh, so I didn't realize you could be elsewhere, but glad you're here. And uh, hope you got a Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, I hope you brought your phone. Uh, and we'll be looking at a few passages in just a moment. Um, I want to talk for a moment about the title, and then I want to kind of set this up. And uh, I want to tell you, uh, first of all, I'm mindful that, uh, and I'm seeing some faces right now, this is being recorded and I'm very aware of some of you that plan to listen to this, and I can envision a few of you who have already said something to me. And so uh, not only um, am, am I thinking about uh, people in this room, but some people outside this room as well. Um, I've been looking forward to this class for several months now. Uh, and I want to tell you kind of where this class comes from and... Uh, kind of what we'll be doing. Um, I decided to title this class, uh, How Ordinary People Can Learn to Be Brave. And I literally thought through every word of that. And, and there, I, I think most of us, and maybe not you, and if it's not you, you can just kind of mentally slip out for a minute. But I think most of us see ourselves as pretty ordinary people. Um, we, we're just folks that are trying to deal with life and we've got, uh, uh, some of us have families and some of us, uh, are working, some of us not, and some of us, uh, well, we just got a lot going on, but, but most of us would see ourselves as pretty ordinary I think most of us would, would not see ourselves as super Christians, people who sort of have it all together, you know, just kind of ask me and I can just kind of tell you. And we, most of us don't see ourselves that way. Um, you come up to me and ask me a question about something I haven't thought about in a while. I might just say, I got to think about that. Can you give me a couple of days? Uh I might have an immediate answer, but it's only because I've studied about it a lot or thought about it a lot. We see ourselves as ordinary people. But we also, I think most of us, go through places in life where it's just hard. And I will talk more about that. It's just hard for a variety of reasons. It's hard. And some of you know what it is. To, to go through that as a teenager or as a college student, as a young adult. For others of us, uh, man, we were cruising till we hit 50 or till we hit 60. And it just depends. It just all depends on the situation. But, but one of the things I think this, this challenging, and I've had conversations with 16-year-olds about this and 60-year-olds about this, is how in the world do you move forward? How do, how do you be, I'm using the word brave. You can use the word courage. You can use the word faith. How, how do you take a step forward when it's just hard? 
You know, sometimes it's just hard. Uh, and, and so that's what we'll talk about. Uh, th- this is seven weeks. We will get to the end of tonight, and you should be less than satisfied. We will get to the end of the night. You said you should, if you're thinking, well, he didn't give us much, you're probably right. I mean, this is seven weeks, and so um, we're just doing a slice tonight, okay? What I'd like to do is kind of set this up. I'm going to ask a few questions here and there. We're going to look at probably five scriptures. Uh, then I've got a thing on the tail end I want to deal with. Um, as usual, I'm all, I typically am overly ambitious on these handouts. I mean, it's just not ridiculous, front and back. And so... Uh, let me tell you, I would much rather us have a good class and not finish the handout than me be a slave to that and you go away just exhausted. So uh, if we get through half of this, we're okay, and we'll, we'll be back again. But maybe we'll get through more. Look at the first, uh, if you've got a handout, and I'm assuming everybody does, or you can at least see one, or if you need one, if you'll raise your hand. I think i got one or two extra here. Maybe uh, Alan's got one or two extra. Anybody, one last time, anybody need a handout? Very good. Um, I was reading a fine little piece the other day written by a guy named David Gill. He writes a lot about uh, dealing with your faith in, in the workplace, whether uh, just just how, how do I how do I work for this company and live as a as a Christian, regardless of my vocation? Okay, uh, but there was one one particular essay that I read not long ago called "Workplace Fear." This is what he says: We live in a time of fear and fear mongering. It's a kind of disease that weakens and disables and even paralyzes our life and witness. Some of this is a reaction to a macho culture of posing, noise, and intimidation that gets played out in the politics, the media, and the marketplace itself. Not as many gentlemen out there as there used to be. Not much civility. We're up against fear mongers and fear manipulators. Okay, you go to work. How in the world do I navigate uh, my my faith in an environment that's just less than civil? Just to just to sum it up there, less than civil. Here's the second one. Scott Peck was a psychiatrist, uh, wrote two books that. got a lot of attention. I think one was a bestseller, uh, Road Less Traveled, and then he wrote another one, The People of the Lie. Uh, Peck, I think, died in 2005. But Scott Peck was this uh, person who uh, had written a lot. He was trained in the Northeast and uh, lived a pretty colorful life himself wrote a lot about the whole idea of delayed gratification and how that was a good thing. 
not sure anyway. But anyway, how that was a good thing. He came to a place in his practice, seeing these patients, where he could not find a label for certain behaviors until he finally decided there was one label that fits some behaviors, and that label is evil. This is not a religious man. And he began to refer to some behaviors as evil. So Charlotte and I were living in Florence, Alabama. I was preaching there, and I'd heard about him, and there was some relationship with the director of the mental health center, and Scott Peck comes in, and uh, this mental health center director asked me to, to be a group leader in this environment where there was this strange mix of lots of Episcopalians, Catholics, complete secular people, and Scott Peck talking to this group about evil, about evil based upon what he was seeing. One of the One of the lines, though, that he's most noted for appears in the front of that book. If you look at your notes again, the book is entitled The Road Less Traveled, written in 78. This brilliant psychiatrist begins this book with these lines. Life is difficult. I remember the first time somebody called that to my attention, and I thought, that's interesting. Of Of all that he could say at the beginning of this book, those are his opening words. Life is difficult. Third, Sarah Williams has written a book entitled Perfectly Human. This is the little book, Perfectly Human. I actually finished this. Uh, two weeks ago, subtitled Nine Months with Syrian. The book is entitled Perfectly Human, Sarah Williams. So Sarah Williams uh, was a scholar trained at Oxford, taught at Oxford for a number of years. She, she's a theologian. She teaches theology. Her husband is an economist. She has, as I recall, two children She's pregnant with a third. She finds out that there there are severe problems with this pregnancy. And this book is about those nine months. The book is about her, she and her husband wrestling with this pregnancy. But it's more than that. She's asking, so what makes a baby within me human. What is a human? And what's a human for? And the baby was stillborn, and she wrote this book. And I had corresponded with her uh, about another book about eight months ago. And last night, uh, I, decided, I, I wrote a note. I told her I had just read this book. Wrote her this note, and I said, I'm going to quote you in this class on Wednesday night. I told her I was teaching this class in Memphis. They live in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia now, she and her husband. 
And I told her, I said, I'm going to quote this particular line in your book where she says, courage is not the absence of fear and despair. It's the capacity to move forward, confidently trusting the maker of the heavens to cover us with the shadow of his mighty hand, even if the sky should fall. She didn't write that in her study. She wrote that grappling with a pregnancy that wasn't going to end well. So wrote her last night, said, I'm going to use this particular quote. I look at my inbox this morning. She says, dear Jim, thank you for taking the time to write to me with this timely encouragement. She says, I hope that this quote will, as you say, enable folk, she's British, to take the next step forward, even if they have to do so in what feels like darkness. And then she says, she talks about a situation in her life, and she says, today I work again, and she mentions the situation, and she said, this is a reminder I too need to trust and not live in fear. Now, yesterday was Tuesday, just so ordinary. And I'm anticipating this class. And I got to the end of the day, and I told Charlotte when I got home, I said, I have had three conversations today about troubles. I was on campus And I began talking with a man who was visiting on campus, and he began telling me about his granddaughter who didn't live and how she was treated at St. Jude. Later on, visiting with this man who's a bit older than me, and he said, I need to tell you my daughter has cancer and it doesn't look good. I told her, I said, I will pray for your daughter. I get in my car to go home about 5.30. And there's this older student who approaches me and says, my wife is not doing well and I've run out of answers. Charlotte and I are in our, what, late 30s, I guess, or 40s or 50s or 60s. And you know, if you just stick around, if you just keep showing up and live enough life, you, 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 you either experience some things or you walk with a lot of people who have experienced some things. You know, in our own family, uh, my, in my, we went through years where we were dealing with a family member's drug addiction. Uh, we've, we've gone through walking with a daughter through divorce. Uh, We've walked through our, like you have, parents that have gotten sick and then died. And then uh, there are other things where people tell you their secrets about what happened when they were small, when they were young, when they were innocent. Now, I just mention all of that because I, I know something about all of us here, and you know the same thing. 
We got all kinds of stuff going on. We go to the, what's the middle service called? Not middle service. We go to the one in, in, in the big room. Okay, some of you go in here. We go to that big room. And, and man, I can just look around. I, we've been here, I don't know, three or four, what, four, four years, I guess. And I know a lot of people here. Still a lot of people I don't know. But let me tell you what I know just about people. We've got stuff going on. We either did, we are, or we're going to. That is life. Peck is right. Life is difficult. Now, sometimes we kind of get a breather or a break. Well, it's all good. Well, that's good. You can just hang on to that for a while. But, uh, uh, you know, the rest of us are trying to navigate some things. Now, the good news is I'm not alone. I don't have to do that by myself. But if I'm not careful, I'm going to get sucked into a climate. I'm going to get sucked into some of the thinking of the people around me that's just going to make matters worse. You know, I mean, if you're Job and you're going through some stuff, just call in the right friends and now see how you feel. My goodness. Well, it's not just friends that can do that. It's just it's the water we're drinking in this in this culture. So what I'd like to do is for us to just, uh, we're not going to cover every imaginable situation, but I just want to acknowledge that that life is difficult, but uh, our challenge is how how do you take a step forward, even if it, as Sarah Williams says, it feels like stepping into darkness, okay? Even if it feels like stepping into darkness, how do you take a step forward? And what I love in Scripture is there are these all of these examples uh, and, and encouragement from the Lord, but all these examples of men and women who were challenged to step into darkness, who were challenged to, to kind of step out, who were challenged to trust God. And what I'd like to do, just a little bit at a time, I'm better in small doses, uh, do a little bit at a time, is is let's let's think about how this could possibly affect our thinking and our faith, okay? We could do that. Look at your sheet if you would. Uh, I mean, I'm suggesting that ordinary people like me, like you, need to learn how to be brave, um, sometimes when we use the word brave or you use the word courage, uh, sometimes, you know, we think of, uh, you know, men will strut. I'm not cold. I got a T-shirt on. It's 40 degrees, you know, whatever, 30 degrees, 20 degrees. I'm not cold, tough, kind of, you know, grit. Guys walking, strut in front of the mirrors at the gym and all that. And we think brave, brave, you know, and, and, and it, I don't know. Um, sometimes bravery, you know, kind of forgetting yourself and uh, doing something where there's some risk, risk that's worth it. Yeah, okay. But we're talking about just ordinary life, but things that happen to ordinary people. For instance, let's just look at some of the categories here. When you think about work, when you think about work, what is there about work that uh, that might be very, very difficult? That's pretty general. How about that? 
What is there about work that can be very, very difficult? People can be very, very difficult. Yeah. Sometimes you've got control over some, some of those situations. Sometimes it's the person that you report to. And you don't... No. What else about work can be very, very difficult? It can be hard. There can be lots of pressure with, with a threat, with, you know, that, that this job could go away if you don't produce, and it's just about to kill you, the expectations. What about work can be hard? It can be overwhelming. These are good answers. What about work can be hard? Yeah, pressure to do things that are shady, unlawful. What is there about work that can be hard? Not having any. Not having any. Losing it. Work where you watch a person get promoted and you know, you know that should be you. You know you've got more experience, more expertise, and it's nothing but pure politics. And there's not a thing you can do about it. And it's, it's hard. It's hard. One final comment about work, and we're moving. Work can be unsatisfactory. How about marriage? We won't talk about ours, but other people's marriages. What about marriage can be difficult? It can end. Yes, it can end. Keep going. Some of us can just be hard-headed. Yeah. Some of us uh, are married to people who are sweet and gracious. Some people, some of us are married are married to people who aren't that way at all. Of course, Marty. Yeah, uh, hard-headed. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we're not talking about. Yeah, he's quoting her. That's very, very good, Freddie. He's quoting her. You can tell your friends there. What, what is there about marriage? It can be hard. Illness. Illness. One person is ill. I've got a, a good friend. He's a doc, and uh, he was my doctor in Waco. He writes. Uh, he writes a piece online. This guy is in his, he is right at 55, I think, maybe a little bit younger. His wife has, has Alzheimer's and has, this is like nine years. He works all day long and he comes home and someone cares for her during the day. And he's a person of faith, and he talks about his prayer life. And he wrote the other day, he said, I cannot leave at night. He said, I ordered all our Christmas presents from Amazon. I cannot go to the store. And he talks about how he wants to be so faithful and loyal to her out of his walk with the Lord. Some people work and deal with things like that, you know? And look at the third one, my family and friends. What can be hard about that? 
You can't control them. Oh, some of, we just had Christmas. Christmas is wonderful when it comes, and sometimes Christmas is wonderful when it goes. I mean, any more family drama for some of us. I mean, that old son-in-law, daughter-in-law comes in, she doesn't want this, and just, and, and I mean, I, you know, you, you, this goes on, and I mean, and, and for some of us, and it just, it just, it, it is wearing, it is wearing. Um, and sometimes you, you lose friends, you have a longtime friend, and for whatever reason, uh, this person has pulled away or, or maybe has been disloyal to you in some way. Number four, my health. This ought to be easy. What, what, what is there about, about health that could, be, that could make life very hard? It, 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 what did you tell me when you sat out? I was sitting on the front row. You'll be old someday. You said that, Betty. And, and then, you know, I was trying to listen. But the truth is, and you all know this, the truth is you just kind of give a polite nod. And then all of a sudden I'm dealing with what Betty's dealing with. I'm going, oh, my goodness, this, this is not good. Well, she told me that. You know what I'm saying? Some of these things, we just kind of nod because we're not there yet, but when you're in the middle of it. And so you have these diseases you never thought you'd have. You're having to watch weight and blood sugar and just all this stuff. Used to. You know how it was. You'd go to work and you'd kind of be hurting in your back. Why? Because you are playing basketball the other day. You shot and you made it, but you kind of hurt your back. Now what is it? Well, I, I twisted in the shower and I couldn't move after that. And, and it's humiliating to have to explain these things. Um, and uh, my, my emotional mental state. My emotional mental state. What, what can make life hard there? Children can make life hard there. Yeah. Does this this happen to you when you go to bed and you're thinking about something that's just not real good, maybe related to children, maybe related to something else, and it's just not real good, and you wake up at 3 a.m. and you're doing just fine until you remember what you were thinking about before you went to bed, and you're like, it's still there. It didn't go away. my emotional mental state. Sometimes, and in, 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 uh, unfortunately, as, as, as we live, we get into a, a, a kind of a concocted way of thinking. Um, for some people, you know, I'm no good. I can't do anything. Um, I'm just a terrible person. Whatever messages I just repeat over and over and over to myself that, that do nothing but just tear me down, okay? And then there's, there are other people, you know, other, others of us who have wrestled with some depression, have wrestled with uh, things we did, things that just were over our heads when it came to, you know, just our emotions. We were living in Kansas City, and uh, I, would, I was so 
whatever. I was in a whatever. And we just, I remember sitting in front of the television for hours and watching nothing while it was on. And one day through Charlotte's, would you call that Marty hard headed through, through a, a, because fortunately she was hard headed enough to not listen to me. And we're standing at the back of our friends in, in our, our friend was a doc in this clinic and they had just closed and she had told Charlotte, come to the back door. We came to the back door and Pam opened it. We walked in and I looked at her and said, I was forced to come. And she laughed and I think I laughed. And then by the time we had talked, she basically voiced what Charlotte had been telling me for months. Man, you're thinking, you're, you're, you're depressed, you're, you know. And, and Charlotte needed, and I needed, somebody who we would listen to to, te- to say that aloud. Some of you have heard that before from, from toward yourself, maybe. Well, I want to wrap this up. My stage of life, my stage of life, I've got a friend who started talking about being old, and he was 40. <laughs> getting old, getting old, getting old. And that just drives me nuts when I hear it. And, and, and some of us can be just as bad when you're my age. Well, you know, we're just, okay, you're old and I'm old. Listen, don't, you know, I got that. I mean, the, the, the Bible didn't spend a whole lot of time seeing people commiserate with one another about all that. I, I want to know how do I put one foot in front of the other, right? Right? And take the next step of faith. And finally, my faith and pressures are even attacks from the world. My faith and pressures are attacks from the world. Where you, you go to work and people aren't admiring you because you're a Christian. They think you've lost your mind. In fact, you must not be very smart. Believe all that stuff. Um, some of our high school kids, boy, the stories I've heard in recent years about what they go through, uh, just the, wow. Well, what some of them go through. Life often calls for bravery or courage. And all I mean by that is learning how to take that next step of faith Let's go to uh, the back page, if you would. I'd like to just begin by just reading these scriptures. I'm not going to spend a lot of time with them, but uh, let's start with Deuteronomy 31. All of these passages are a reminder of God's work and God's presence. Deuteronomy 31 Verse 1, Moses went out and spoke these words to all Israel. I am now 120 years old, and I'm no longer able to lead you. Sounds like an understatement. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. 
The Lord your God Himself will cross over ahead of you, and He will destroy these nations before you, and you will take possession of their land. And Jordan, I'm sorry, Joshua also will cross over ahead of you, as the Lord said. And the Lord will do to them what He did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, whom He destroyed along with their land. The Lord will deliver them to you, and you must do to them all that I've commanded you. Be strong and courageous, and do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you, and he will never leave you or forsake you. Now, what I found helpful in this is I've spent some time now just reading some of these familiar verses over and over and over and over and over throughout Scripture. Where in this passage, uh, here are, are threats, the people of God. These, some, the people of God are under threat, and the Lord promises what? Deliverance, promises his presence, promises he won't abandon them. And I, I hear that, and, and that's good. Look at Psalms for a moment. Psalm, uh, look at 56. Let's read that Psalm. Be merciful to me, my God, for my enemies are in hot pursuit. All day long they press their attack. My adversaries pursue me all day long, and in their pride many are attacking me. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust and am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? It's very easy, and we'll talk about this again, to when, when I get to uh, when I am afraid or when I get to my situation, what, what it's very easy for us to do is I get to my situation at work or with my health or with this marriage, or with those kids, I get to that situation, and instead of moving on to trust, I kind of park there, and I say, pardon, my, par- pardon the English here, ain't it awful? Oh, it's terrible. My enemies are after me. And do you know what's going to happen when my enemies are after me? Oh, it's bad. Man, they're going to do this, and they're going to do that, and they're going to do this, and there. And if they do this, and they do that, then i tell you what's going to happen then. It is going to be even worse. Y'all ever do that? Three o'clock in the morning. Oh, good grief. Well, I tell you what, if they do that, well, I'm going to lose my job. If I lose my job, what are we going to do? We're going to have to sell the house. Who are we going to sell the house? To? And you going through all that stuff. Maybe none of you ever do this, but you just, you know, I'm, I'm thinking all this. And I love this, this line here where the psalmist says, when I'm afraid, 
when, 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 and, you know, sometimes I get afraid too. Sometimes, you know, boy, I can, I can fear, feel the fear welling up in me. When I'm afraid, I, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise. Verse 5, all day long they twist my words. All their schemes are for my ruin. They conspire, they lurk, they watch my steps, hoping to take my life. Because of their wickedness, do not let them escape. In your anger, God, bring the nations down. Record my misery, list my tears on your scroll. Are they not in your record? Don't they matter? Then my enemies will turn back when I call for help. By this, I will know that God is for me. God is for me. In God, whose word I praise, in the Lord, whose word I praise, in God I trust and am not afraid. What can man do to me? I am under vows to you, my God. I will present my thank offerings to you, for you have delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. Now, some of us have prayed like that, haven't we? Some of us have prayed, and I mean, I sure have. Lord, I do not know what to do. I don't have the answer. But Lord, I want to choose to trust you. Sometimes I just say that out aloud because I don't feel it. I say it aloud. Lord, I, I, I choose to trust in you. I choose to trust in you. Look at the next passage, if you would. You mean, you mean he's around the clock? He's waiting at 3 o'clock? I, I believe you're right, Reggie. 63, Psalm 63. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you, and my whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary, and I've beheld your glory, your power and your glory, because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your hand I will lift up my hands. In your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. Isn't that something? There's a, there's a, there's a way I could be satisfied with God. Called my friend the other day, Scott. He's in Waco. We kind of have this thing going on about a certain baseball game we went to once and had a big time. And I'll call him and I'll say, man, if you could have two grilled hot dogs right now. Called him right after he got off work. And I, I said, would you do mustard, grilled onions? Would you put relish, no relish? Or, or would you put three, have a little less? And here's this guy that's been talking to builders all day long. And he said, man, I got to think about that one. We just do this for a minute. And, and the reason why it was, we both looked back at that evening. It was so satisfying. And, and the psalmist is saying, man, do you know you can be satisfied with God? Even just like 
some meal, some evening that was so satisfying to you. Do you know that that really is possible? And wrap it up. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. And I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth and they will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glory in him while the mouths of liars will be silenced. You know, when we read these passages, one of the things we can do is to create some distance and just start preaching at one another. Now, we ought to be, we ought to be people. We ought to be doing this, and we ought to be doing that. And I know the autos. I'm right with you. What I'm trying to move from in my own life is moving from the auto to, that, to, to actually being there. And what that means is there are times when in the, in, in the middle of the night, I'm, I'm saying to the Lord, God, I am so worried about this. But Lord, I, I really want to do like this psalmist did. I want to cry out to you and I'm doing it right now. Now, some of you may be, may be way beyond that, but some of us aren't. Okay. And in this class, I want to tell you just something that I think is real important. I don't have all the answers for this. I'm trying to live this just like you are. I do know some things that are helpful. And we learn that from one another and learn that from Scripture. Uh, let's move on. We're running out. Uh, look at your notes, if you would. We could go to uh, the text in Matthew 14, where Jesus said to his followers and reminds them to take courage. It is I, don't be afraid. I love this line in 1 Corinthians 16, considering uh, the commotion that went on in Corinth. Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be courageous, be strong. Bravery, Bravery or courage? is not about being macho. It's not about putting on a mask and presenting an ethos of being brave. True bravery or courage comes from facing reality, from seeing who you are, the challenges you're facing, and accepting it. It's taking the next step. What, let's talk for a moment about what bravery or courage is not. It's not uh, being macho. It's not avoidance, is it? I can tell you about my friend. He wouldn't go to the doctor because he went once and he didn't like what he heard. <laughs> and it wasn't, I mean, it was fairly serious. He said, man, I'm going to go back to that guy and he's going to tell me once again that I need surgery. Well, that's one way to handle life. You just, you just don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear that. Yeah. Come up to me and tell me I got a flat tire. Alan, I don't want to hear that. Well, that doesn't change reality, does it? <laughs> so maybe avoidance isn't exactly the way to deal with, with life. How about the third one? 
uh, bravery or courage is not denial. It's not denial. Do you, do you, do you know people who seem to be uh, kind of have a blind spot, you know? Everybody sees a certain aspect or cer- certain behavior in them and they don't seem to see it. You kind of think, how could she not see that she offends everybody she talks to? How could he not see how, what a loud mouth he is? I don't know. I want to wrap this up with some next steps. Here's number one. In just navigating uh, really hard times, it's helpful to turn outward, not inward. And as people of faith, we turn outward to the living God, right? That's, That's where we'll be pointing the whole time. When I turn inward, when things happen, what am I, what am I going to do when I turn inward? Try to figure it out myself. Or I, I, I can do the blame thing. Wallow around in it. You know, my daughter's not living right. My son's not living right. We did something wrong, I guess. We did something wrong. I, 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 can, I can, you know, wallow in that. Live in that. What else can I do if I turn inward? If you just look into yourself, you're going to be fearful because you know you cannot fix it. Yeah. I, I, I can be fearful or I can be prideful. I can say, by George, if they had just listened to me, I know exactly. Or, yeah, maybe one or the other, but I can be fearful, prideful. I can t- I can tell myself self defeating lies. You can't do anything right. You couldn't even keep the job. They let you go. Nobody ever let your daddy go. Nobody ever let your brother go. And they let you go down at that plant, down at that office, down at that company. What's wrong with you? How could you be such an idiot? How could you let that account? How could you not take care? You know what? And and just. Go after yourself like that. I'm going to beat myself to a pulp. Now, some of us do that. That's not all that helpful to turn inward. Christian people, Christian people, we're on our knees and we say, oh, Lord, this is, I don't know what to do. I, I just don't know what to do. You know, wh- whether I'm battling cancer or whether I'm dealing with a knothead adult child, or whether I'm scared to death now that I don't have a job, we call upon the Lord. Number two, I want to check my thinking. I want to check my thinking. When I start telling myself, you know, when things happen and I start telling myself, you know, you just don't amount to much. What's wrong with you? You can't do anything right. You know, uh, you, you remember you, some of us have these memories of things that people said to us years ago. Your uncle was right. You are just a fool. You know, just, just you, you, your uncle was right. Look at this. Check my, what I want to do is I, I, wherever, wherever I get all that stinking thinking, I want to align that with the truth of God's word where God says, I am his child. And I am precious in his sight. 
and the words and the judgment of another do not determine my value. And then third, I want to acknowledge my challenge. Walked into a funeral home one day. This guy walks up to me and he says, man, why are you looking so glum? I said, well, your daddy died. And he said, well, it's all good. I mean, he's going to heaven. And I, I looked around him and his friends did not have that demeanor at all. And I know this guy pretty well. And the way he kind of deals with or not deals with things is he just doesn't, he won't acknowledge what they're dealing with. Drove his wife nuts because, you know, our marriage is great. Really? She's about to leave you. Uh, you, you just don't want to acknowledge it. Don't want to acknowledge your health. Don't want to acknowledge what's going on at work. Don't want to acknowledge the fact that one of your kids is in trouble. Nah, they're doing great. Yeah, it's all good. Come on. I mean, I find, I'm no, no, I'm just finding it helpful. And sometimes I have to do, maybe you're, you just may be really, you may need to go to another class. You may be ahead of me on these things. But sometimes I just have to say aloud, Lord, this is a mess. I don't know what to do. Somehow when I'm just, when I just say aloud, it's a mess. It's like, okay, I'm going to stop messing with this and tell the truth. This is a mess. Because I'm not, in the Lord, I'm not threatened by that, right? I'm not threatened by, by the reality because I'm in Him and I'm living with Him. Three weeks ago, I went to Waco, did a funeral for uh, my friend Mike, uh, Mike was a couple of years older than me, died of a massive heart attack Sunday afternoon. I think it's four Sunday afternoons ago, maybe. One Sunday afternoon. Uh, one Sunday afternoon ago. And this is a couple that Charlotte and I would eat out with a lot. They weren't members of our church. We knew them from the community. She wanted me to come and speak at the funeral. And I'd married uh, one of their, or done the wedding for one of their children. So we're, we're, we're all very close. So did the funeral and Jamie came from Oklahoma City, our youngest daughter, and we were good. It was good to be with all these people. Sunday afternoon after church, went to see a couple who I've known for years. Our kids grew up together and went out to uh, their house and it was cold that day, sat down in their living room. They have this glass, uh, large plate glass window that kind of overlooks a field. And the lights were not on, and we were just talking. And at one point, he looks at me and he says, Jim, we have four kids. None of them have any room for the Lord. I know all their kids, and he's right. And we just lo- looked at one another, and she was she had on jeans and was had, had her legs crossed and was kind of rocking a little bit on the couch there. And she said, "I just don't know what to think of that." 
Did it even matter how we raised them? What we tried to do? And I told them, I have no idea. I don't know. And I told them, but I know this, that I love you guys and nothing changes. And Charlotte and I said, Charlotte and I are just human beings like y'all are and know how you tried to rear your kids. And nothing changes between us. I thought for a moment there that in that room that was, it just felt very quiet. Nobody was there but us. I thought they're, they're trying to take a step forward, just one step. And they're trying to figure out how to navigate it. And that's where a lot of us are, you know? How in the world do you just take one step forward? You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to know exactly how it's going to end up. Man, I don't know how a lot of these things are going to end up. But I do know that God is with us and that we're people of faith. And what I want to learn to do is experience a daily trust in Him instead of getting all wrapped up in my, my thinking and myself, which just kind of, it's like going, you know, going down the drain. You know where that goes. So that's where we're going for the next, I guess this, this evening's over, but for the next six weeks, that's where we're going. So what I'll, we'll do is look at different passages of Scripture. We'll look at some different examples. We'll come at this through the window and in the roof and through the front door. And hopefully, if, if what I would just hope is that in some way this would be helpful. More than anything, I hope this would be helpful. So let's be done. Mind if we pray for just a moment, and then uh, we'll, we'll be free to leave. Lord, you are faithful and you are good, and you love us. And there are, Lord, some of us have lived for many years. Some of us have lived for not as many years. And uh, there are times, Lord, when life is just so full of joy. And there are other times where there's just a lot going on. And then there are situations that just linger. And we... Oh, Lord, would want to be found faithful to you as we walk with you. Uh, may, oh, Lord, you give us wisdom, courage, and bravery to take a step forward. And, uh, Lord, we, I just want to thank you for everybody here tonight and realize that uh, we could be doing other things, but we've chosen to be here, and may you be.